0: Good evening, you are listening to Three Moves Ahead, and I'm your host, Rob Zachney. Joining me today, we have our producer, newly heartbroken, following a complete offensive collapse by the Chicago Cubs, Michael Hermes. That's a bit of an exaggeration, but hello! I don't know, they
1: had like what, like five runs the entire series? I think it's a testament to the Dodgers pitching excellence more than the Cubs' lack of offense, but that is a
0: different podcast. A very, a very different podcast uh, and one we'll have next year. Uh, we also welcome back through the head founder, Troy Goodfellow.
2: Hello, everyone.
0: And uh this week, maybe appropriately given uh my my misgivings about the Cubs and, and Michael's quick reassurance there, uh, we're talking about sports management. Uh in particular, we're going to be hitting Play Sport Games Motorsport Manager and Out of the Parks uh Franchise Hockey Manager. And you know, with the, the, the field of sports management games is pretty broad and it actually gets a lot broader if you start looking at like the franchise modes in uh sort of the, the console offerings, like um you know, MLB the show or uh NHL eighteen, which are actually pretty sophisticated uh in, in their own right. Uh but we sort of I think Narrowed our focus for this one to to mostly concentrate uh, first and foremost, like on the particular sports we're into. You know, we've talked about uh, baseball management sims in the past on on this show, uh, and we haven't really we we've talked obliquely about you know what separates uh, motorsport from other forms of sport, uh, what what we like about hockey, but I, I wanted to sort of dig into how the nature of simulation changes as, as we look at, uh, I guess, our our sporting obsessions uh, with this show, Motorsports and Hockey.
1: Yeah, I, I think that, uh, so we picked these two games. There, there's plenty to talk about with both. Um, obviously, the NHL season has just started, uh, which is why we were targeting um, Franchise Hockey Manager. Uh, also, the, the fourth iteration was was just released for this NHL season, so it was, it was timely in that regard. Uh, motorsport Manager came in, uh, I believe it was released about this time last year, so it's been around, and it has a couple of um, DLC releases under its belt. But uh, I, I think they both represent interesting, interesting angles for the motorsports or for the for the management series as a whole. Um, they don't quite fit in with I think the the sort of play calling you can have in um, uh, let's say a baseball simulator or an NFL simulator, uh, but. Their, their respective approaches to them lead to some interesting decisions, um, even just beyond contracts, signing people, making trades, but the actual, uh, you know, tactical management during games.
2: I mean, Motorsport Manager kind of scratches at niche that I've talked about before on the show, something that I'd, I'd wanted, the chance to, you know, manage a Formula One uh, racing team, because I went through my Formula One phase before Things got kind of crazy, and I'll probably get back into it again sometime. But I was always, you know, sometimes more interested in, you know, the drama of uh, team management and the science and some of the off-season stuff and drivers moving around and the politics and what you can get away with cheating a little bit on your cars. And now we have Motorsport Manager, which, is like, as Michael said, has been out for about a year, and it gives me a chance to do that. And I don't think I quite appreciated just how much there was to do uh, in running a racing team. Um, It really showed up, you know, there are some issues with the game itself, but we'll get to those in a bit. But just the difficulty in trying to balance, okay, you have to have a science budget, and you have to have the right laboratories to test the new equipment and you have to tune your car for the particular track you can't just design the car and then say well good luck through the races you have to do all this fine tuning between races so there's a lot of coaching and management and planning uh, well above the financial uh, issues of who are my sponsors and how much can i pay for a driver and where's my new young driver going to come from and uh, motorsport manager i think is it was eye-opening in a way, and sort of, it's a, it's a game that I wished for, but I didn't quite know, know what I was wishing for. One of those monkey paw genie type things.
1: Classic monkey paw.
0: Yeah, I, um, I was surprised, because this is not a genre I've spent too much time with, because I think for a number of years, the, the, there were really only two games in town is how it felt. Like If you were serious about sports management, uh, you were either an out-of-the-park person. Or you were a, a football manager uh, person, and those were really kind of the gold standard. But outside of that, uh, there wasn't a whole lot. And I think the reason, you know, there, it's it's obvious why that was, right? Like, uh, you know, uh, soccer is the biggest sport in the world. Uh, there's a huge market for that. Uh, it has a really intricate, uh, you know, sporting structure, uh, depending on what leagues you're talking about and, and, and how they sort of fit together. Uh And a lot of people, like, have a deep understanding of the sports. You're going to find a wide audience for that. Baseball is sort of a similar situation, but I think the other thing that baseball has going for it is that it is this, um, you know, if statisticians could design a sport, they would have designed baseball, right? Like, it it lends itself to that kind of game, and people who really know baseball— When they sort of consider the strategy of baseball, they don't, they tend not to look at individual games. They tend to look at entire seasons. It's a very, the knowledgeable fan has a very like GM level view uh, of how baseball teams are built and managed across a season. And there are a lot of other sports I don't think do necessarily lend themselves to that sort of model. And so I was sort of surprised when I was digging into like Motorsport Manager, for instance, uh, the degree to which. It's positioning you as, uh, you know, the person on the pit wall, right? Making calls in the race, like making really granular, blow by blow decisions during during each race, whereas. My expectations from what little I have played of like uh, you know Eastside Hockey Manager a couple of years ago, you could manage stuff in the game, like you could be making tactical decisions, changing uh, your your game plan on the fly uh, in the game. I didn't mess with that very much because I frankly didn't really know enough about hockey to to really play that game successfully. So I sort of treated as a GM a GM sim. But I was sort of surprised by how much uh, how many tactical decisions were in Motorsport Manager, and I guess I'm. I'm curious, do you think that's just a function of is that a function of the sport that's being simulated here? Or does a good management sim need to have a satisfying like tactical layer, as it were?
2: Well, I mean, both both baseball and football manager, both I mean, oh out of the park has, you know, you can you can drop in and manage an individual game, or you can simulate an entire week, an entire month. And in different Manager, you can sim the race, right? You don't have to sit through it. Yeah. So that's kind of the same thing. You can just sim it and the computer will guess what you would have done and they probably would have managed the tires better than I did, hands on. Uh, But, you know, in all of these managers, there's always the option to dive in and do the fine tuning. Um, I do think that Motorsport Manager encourages you to dig in more because... It's important for you to actually see how the car is working, right? Because the car is, your drivers are important, but the car is the money. So you need to get the radio feedback. You need to go through, especially in the early uh, start of the game when you're trying to figure out how everything works you have to run through all the practice runs and learn about adjusting down pressure and all of these things so it does encourage you to dig in and do the fine-tuned stuff which you really don't have to do and you can't do in say a 162 game major league season now i haven't played enough of the new football managers to know how much of that is going on but i but, but even there i Think you can control things like substitutions, and you can always do mm-hmm. line switches or formation switches. Uh, but we'll—it's similar to hockey in many ways. Where we can get into it a bit. But yeah, Motorsport Manager really does put you as the the general manager slash coach slash head engineer. You are the god. It, it is a it is a management god game, uh, like Commissioner Mode in Out of the Park Baseball, uh, which is fine. But I, I do think it's it's real you. But it kind of forces you to do it in the early going. Otherwise you will not understand the data you're getting back.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's a personal preference thing, but um I think Motorsport Manager kind of does it it splits the difference between the the we'll just say the GM layer and the and the manager layer. Um personally <laughs> it's funny, Troy, you said you're not you're not gonna manage 162 baseball games. Uh oh. Uh so that's how I play uh out of the park baseball. <laughs> So this, <laughs> but I knew there was some sort oh. of disgusting, shameful confession oh, coming. God. So this is so so. Let me tell you how I approach Out of the Park, and that'll kind of give you a lens of how I'm yeah. viewing the other two games. Is I actually really prefer manager mode in Out of the Park as opposed to commissioner or GM mode, because the the contracts and the trading and the signings of players are probably the least interesting part for me. Um, huh. But I have a, a running game now where I play, um, I play, I manage each game uh, on a on a out by out basis. So like you can you can click pitch by pitch, but come on, who's got the time for that? So what I do is I just go through um, out by out and, and manage the games in in real time like that. Right. Um, because that's for me, the, the, the best part of the game is making decisions um, because National League is the best league. You know, when are you doing pitching changes? When are you pinch hitting? When are you how are you managing? Who's in the who's who's in the bullpen? Who's warming up? Stuff like that. Like that's. That's everything I like about it, right there. So Motorsport Manager, when it comes to the real-time games, which I also think is, is a really interesting shift away from the other games, as far as like um, the event and the the sort of pageantry of, of race day versus just oh I'm simming another game because um, there's a lot of build-up there, right? And that's something we can talk about a little bit that I really enjoy. But you know, there's real-time management decisions to be made. Um, there's familiarities with the cars. You know, cars, car, you know, car one. The transmission's notoriously unreliable, so you have to you have to plan accordingly. You know, your drivers have decisions to be made. I unless I'm missing something drastic, I don't see that same level of um, hands-on in-game management in let's say Franchise Hockey Manager Four, uh, which I think is probably one of the things I miss the most in that game. But I still love because of the subject matter. Um, but you know, playing these two games over the past couple weeks, I think Motorsport Manager. Hits, it really walks the line between the strategic big-picture level, big level and the tactical level, um, and it's accessible enough that um, uh, I, I think anybody, anybody could get a really good, good time out of it, even if you're not familiar with, with racing in general. There's enough there to, to kind of pick at.
2: But there's a, there's a lot going on. There is a lot, and under. I want to point
1: out that um, I think, Rob, you and I talked about it a while ago, and my impressions on it were based on the iOS version. Um, mm-hmm. which is very stripped down. Uh, it is not a one-to-one port at all. Okay. Um, the Motorsport Manager version on iOS uh, is, is, and I think even you said this, Rob, or you brought up the comparison, the uh, Kairosoft simulates mm-hmm. everything uh, genre of games. They have their own Grand Prix Manager. It, it, it's kind of like that. The decisions are pretty shallow. They're, they're pretty pretty straightforward. Um, but the, the PC version, there's... There's a surprising amount of detail to, uh, to, to model and go through here.
0: Yeah, and like, honestly, I really do like what they've done here. Uh, like, to me, it very much does feel like... Um, I've never been sure how you'd make a satisfying motorsport management game in some ways. Because like, Formula One teams or motorsports teams tend to be kind of a black box, right like you you generally like you have an understanding that there's the, you know the factory that you know generates parts and components there's sort of an R&D division uh in your in your more sophisticated teams there's the uh manufacturer, uh teams you know your ferraris your your mercedes and then there's just the pure racing teams like like williams uh but you know a lot of what goes on in enough one team isn't really something that's easy to parse from the outside like you can see what a gm did in baseball because then you watch the player go out there on the field and you see them in action you see the stats they generate and you understand how that like what that component uh what that what that player has added or subtracted uh to a team when something in NF1 car changes, you know, when you hear stories about, uh, you know, there's a new, you know, a new transmission or something, like, you don't know what that means. You know, you can, you, you'll hear mechanics say, like, oh, we're very happy with the, with the new parts development, but there's no way you have any idea uh, what sort of, what sort of impact it had on, on someone's race. And I think Motorsport Manager sort of solves this problem by taking a very uh coarse-grained approach is the way I would put it. It it's more it's it's motorsport management as fans engage with the sport, right? It's like it's like tuned to what we actually know about the sport, but pr- my suspicion is doesn't have a whole lot to do with, you know, the side of the sport and engineer Actually sees right, but it, it it's sort of going. It's sort of flattering our intuitive understanding of of how the sport works, which is why I think there's such a heavy emphasis on. Uh, what happens on the track, right? Because that's what most of us see. Like the game is very detailed and very good on stuff like tire strategy, uh, because that's what fans watch week after week after week. It gets all it, it it fudges the details a little bit more uh, when it comes to components development and turns the game into a little bit more of like an organizational RPG in a way that I think is actually very successful. Uh, but but it is interesting to me that like. I guess the way the way I would put it, and i'm curious to to hear what hear what you make of the statement, but like out of the park is is baseball like that, that like it is simulating the the actual game in, in all its particulars, and you can generate something that's very lifelike out of uh out of the park motorsport manager is simulating the fan experience of motorsport, and I think it works there because we'll never be able to tell the difference.
2: And I think the Kairosoft comparison is a helpful one uh, because there was kind of an overlap in how that plays into the car development, right? Like when you get old Grand Prix manager, it was a fun little light game. It wasn't meant to be more than that, uh, but you know, you'd, go up to a track and your car wouldn't be optimized for that track. So you'd have to change your car or buy the right parts or get the right driver. Here, in Motorsport Manager, you'll go to a new track and they'll tell you, well, on this track, brakes are the most important thing. Maybe you should be researching brakes. So each car, each but it's not like you know, out-of-the-park baseball to, oh, you're going to Wrigley. You should optimize your home run hitters. And it's kind of like, it's a very different way of looking at sport, but also of, I think, uh getting your car up to speed, there is this RPG aspect, you're right, where the car is a unit and the people you hire, they have their stars and their ratings and they improve. But I do think you know, how it breaks down, it's a way that race commentators will tell you, well, this track, there's going to be rain on this track and it's a night race, therefore the drivers should be focusing on blah, blah, blah. The game is telling you, well, maybe you should focus on blah blah blah. The same thing that the commentators would be saying. So you're right; it does have this, you know, fan experience, especially since it does focus so much on the race stuff. You know, the the the, the radio chatter. You know, if, if your brake improvement was good, your driver will sometimes say, "Wow, this the brakes are really feeling good now." Um, if they will tell you, there's if they have problems with their teammate, if somebody's blocking them. Uh, Their whole radio feedback, which, you know, is meant for the uh, people in the pit, is something that has become a big part of um, the broadcast experience. But you know that through a race, there's almost constant chatter. But we're only getting like two or three highlights of that, like you would if you were watching a race, not like if you were actually directing it. And my driver should be giving me more feedback than once every five laps, you would think. But as a viewer, as a TV viewer, that's pretty much all you get. Uh, so there is this you know, TV experience kind of built in to uh, watching the race and how it understands and interprets how sponsors, how, I, I think the sponsorship is, I don't think sponsorship works like it does in this game. But just this idea, oh, you want to focus on building one particular part instead of, okay, we're going to do a total rebuild. Uh, Or we're going to focus on two or three different things. It's really, you know, optimal to pick a couple of things and work on those because you don't have time between races to change uh, more than a couple of parts or to upgrade a couple of parts. So it really does have this, you know, stripped down race to race schedule tracking, uh, you know, the build up before the big event type approach. Uh, that you wouldn't get in a daily simulation like an NBA sim or a baseball sim.
1: And, and there's, there's two things I think that both you and Rob touched on that I think make motorsports manager probably a really good um, stepping off point for anyone who's not familiar with the manager type genre, and that's the feedback mm-hmm. and the, um, the direction, the implied direction of what needs to be improved upon or what needs to be fixed in order for you to succeed. Um, when you go through a race, uh, usually by the end, it's pretty clear what went wrong. They even summarize your pit strategy, your tire strategy, the tire graphic at the end of each race is really helpful. Um, but usually you could see, okay, that was my bad guys. Uh, you kind of ran out of gas with half a laugh left and that's why we lost. Or, uh, the transmission keeps burning up. That's why we lost. But there's really clear, um, and even the feedback from your drivers, like, wow, this, this suspension sucks ass. We need to do something about it. There's usually enough feedback from the game that you've got clear, uh, points of improvement that help you to get better. And I think that's a, that's one of the strong selling points of this game where, you know, in out of the park, let's say baseball, um, you're, you're really left to your own devices to figure out why your team isn't, uh, isn't clicking, isn't producing. And I think there's enough feedback in the stats that if you're familiar with the game, you can make those calls. Um, conversely, in Franchise Hockey Manager, my team sucks. And I'm having a really hard time to figure out why. Because even though I've watched hockey my whole life and I love hockey my whole life, um, as I started digging into these games, I realized I have no idea how to, to manage a, a hockey team. And I think that there's, you know, it, it's tough to find the feedback. It's tough to find the the missing links of success that are keeping you from from competing, you know, well, um, in in let's say one of the more broad spreadsheet managers versus
0: um, motor sport manager. Do you think there is also an element? There, there is some very good feedback in motorsport manager, but do you think the sport itself also lends itself to guiding you by the hand in certain ways? Like, well, you've a lot of go ahead
1: go on well i was just gonna say well i think a big part of that is that it's so finite right you have two cars and two drivers there's a lot of subsystems there but you don't have you know 20 dressed players you don't have a full mlb roster right you you've got your focus is so small that it i think it lends itself a little bit better to to being able to pick the noise out of the out of the or wait
0: pick the fly shit out of the separate there you go (laughs) uh yeah, I, I think that's, that's definitely part of it. I also wonder if there's an element of you're still making progress over the course of a season. You may not be making the progress you, you need to be making, but like in general, your car is improving in some, in, in some meaningful way uh, as, as you manage it. Like I'm not sure there's a lot of ways to completely screw up the car in motorsport manager you can well, really botch development like you, you can, can botch development can, and
1: spend a lot of money to find out that your new part is better but has one tenth of the reliability of your previous part and then you wasted a whole lot of time and money for nothing
0: but but what's what you what gets spit out there is a is an under is a parsable result that's true right that's true. like the trade the trade-off still appears like look yeah you have produced a better set of brakes. However, here's the downside. You may not be able to finish a race on these brakes. Uh we'll see. And then you and then there's cool things too like you can do split development uh in this game, which is really like there's built-in AB testing in this game, uh kind of because you've got the two cars and yeah, the driver matters, but you can still kind of be like, okay, well, let's see what this upgrade really accomplishes out on the track and send your drivers out on basically, you know, matching setups with one variable and you can sort of start getting a sense for like what you've really accomplished here and so like your car is generally improving in some way you can sort of see the results in you know the, the effects of the decisions you've made whereas my experience with um, you know east side uh, for instance uh, you know some, some years back there are so many different things going on in a, in a sport, in a, in a traditional sports game. As you said, you know, you've got your, you know, 20 dressed players. Um, and it can sort of feel like the butterfly effect as you try to figure out what did you do wrong? What did you do right? You know, like, are you just in a statistical blip here? Like, you know, where the outcome doesn't actually reflect your decision at all? Or have, you know, have you made some kind of error in in your judgment that is, a drag on your results it can be really hard to parse that unless you really really know the game well and the stats that and, and how to interpret stats in the game uh, i think motorsport manager solves that problem in a lot of ways just as a personal side note which i found really
1: funny in this game is um in you know the real world um i'm an engineer and i work in r&d engineering in things with engines in them and it's yes. actually pretty common for people to come it, it the loop is actually pretty common where somebody comes back and says hey You know, this one part, could you just make it like better? And so we have to make things better. So when I see just the, 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 like sort of hand wavy engineering, like, oh, it's, it's 5% better because I threw money at you. It, 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 it makes me laugh because it's sort of, it's actually pretty accurate as to how the real world works where people. Just, it reminds me of the Simpsons where Homer's a manager and he just says, Hey, could you guys be working harder? And then they just start working harder and they improve their throughput Um, yeah, just, just those kind of numbers, just, just like, it's, it's 10% better.
0: Don't worry about it. It's, it's just good. God, that's actually going to bother me now. (laughs) (laughs) No, because I'm wondering like how much of, uh, you know, parts development and that kind of work over the engineer does come down to generating observable, but perhaps dubiously significant changes in output and then showing it and selling it to clients it's all how you scale the plots rob just just change the data
1: yeah
2: all the secrets coming out today
1: rob did you play um i know there's an f1 game where you actually have to like race the cars and stuff and and Uh, drive things which is just so pedestrian but how does that have like a uh Does that have a a career mode or like a management mode? And does it compare in any way or is that
0: less? It does uh, to a surprising degree. So F1 2018, I think they might have introduced it with uh, 2017. But uh, I I, I picked up 2018 because it's got all the retro cars and stuff like that. But it also has a super advanced career mode. Because what they used to do in this series, uh, it's Codemasters. It used to be just like a driving RPG like uh if you ever played the Toka Race Driver series it was basically like you know you're the star driver champ what you know what it's it's your career the world's your oyster what are you going to do and as you drove like if you as you turned in good performances for teams you got different contract offers and you could work your way up to a an elite team right so you'd be driving for Ferrari eventually they scrapped that because after a certain point nobody wants to be driving uh for like Sauber at the start of every game uh it's just it gets old Uh, So basically you can start wherever, it's just expectations change. But in 2018, uh, they definitely went in like a full uh, motorsport manager direction with the twist that all the research data, all, all the resources you generate to allow you to improve the vehicle hinges on you as a driver. Uh, so I don't think you can even, I don't think you can even, uh, do anything with like your team personnel. Uh, that's pretty much locked. The team is just a vessel. What you have to do is during practice sessions, go out and perform challenges. And the challenges, what I do like about what 2018 is doing is the challenges actually do seem to relate to how you're going to generate data about improving car performance. So like, for instance, if they want to, if you want to generate research on like tires and tire wear, you have to go out there and actually provide a sample of different approaches to driving on tires. Uh, and so like you can't just go out there and try to set a fast lap because that doesn't tell you anything. Like you can, you can do a whole lot of things to set one really fast lap that don't at all match what real racing looks like and so that kind of challenge is much more of a um give us five consistent laps in this performance band and try to keep your tires in this temperature range and it's really really hard uh to do that it's it's very much a uh it's a very different sort of test to your driving skill and actually really does drive home the different parts of racecraft. A braking test is very different, right? It, they, they start changing your brake points. Uh, we need you to go into these corners a little faster and then, like, smash the brakes a little harder. Um, and that becomes its own sort of thing. And that's how you generate the uh, the data. And that becomes parts development and stuff. But that, that becomes, like, you have a tech web, basically, that's very... Um, you know, endless series in some ways uh, as you generate this data. And then you're like, okay, now we've got 5,000 research points. I want a new rear wing. And, you know, for the next race, maybe you'll have a new rear wing and it'll generate, uh, you know, a performance gain. It is, it, it there's much more to it than there has been in previous years. It does feel very much like you're on the, um, the pointy end of a racing organization, I guess. Uh, and it gives you the sense that there's like this, this large organization, the strategic game being played behind you, but it doesn't have that wide angle frame of motorsport manager. where literally like team infrastructure, uh, sponsorship deals. All this stuff is in play and you have to think about it.
1: It sounds like a really interesting approach to R and D actually. Um, it's a shame I'm probably never going to play... I, I I don't... You know, I'm not going to get the dedicated wheel and the stuff that you'd probably need to effectively play a, simu- a racing simulation like that, but I think something along those lines with the sort of um, iterative, iterative development um, could be, you know, added to Motorsport Manager at some point. I think that would be a really interesting change to that game formula, but that sounds, that sounds kind of neat, actually.
0: Yeah, no, like, I... Highly recommend it. Actually, if you're if you're in F1 and and in this, any sort of racing series, it is tough with a controller. Not gonna lie, uh, it's it, like Forza right now is probably the gold standard for driving with a controller while still like making it feel like you're properly driving a car. Um, and that spoiled me a bit because man, uh, F1 twenty eighteen is twitchy as hell uh, with it with a controller, but. All that said, um, I've really enjoyed how much uh, Motorsport Manager does sort of feel like the the sport I've watched for, you know, 20-some years. Um, with the impossible exception of it just seems like it's way harder managing a sports team than I thought, than, 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 yeah. it, than it looks week to week. Uh, Troy, you mentioned tire wear, and I've been having issues in that front as well.
2: So... I wonder how much is a tutorial's fault. The tutorial says, "Oh, you know, you should be aggressive and with your fuel and your driving, and you'll wear down your tires. That's okay." And you've got, you know, a middling car. Maybe you want to be aggressive so you can hit your sponsor targets, which are usually place, you know, tenth and higher, fifth and higher, or whatever. But all of the other cars seem to make do with just one or two pit stops. And here I am, you know, running through medium tires and having to stop three or four times, and I'm thinking, I'm doing something wrong here. Something's wrong with my car. Something's wrong with my strategy. Maybe I should, you know, just lay off. I mean, I adjust my strategy. I try to keep things relatively smooth through the race and not go all out all the time. But it's really hard, I find, to keep a set of tires going, and I'm wondering are you is that is this your problem, Rob? Are you having like too many pit stops compared to the opponents, or is it just me?
0: Yeah, like if I can get a race done in fewer than four pit stops, I feel like I just destroyed the Death Star or something. Like it is shocking to me how quickly my drivers are burning through tires. And the only way around that is to throw them onto the most conservative driving settings possible. Um and then the performance tips and i don't know if it i don't know if it feels right yeah um but i, so here's, like, I need to, here's a quick on. question when you guys are running the race um are you watching
1: the time splits or the differences between the gap between your driver and the next driver that is to say are you adjusting are, are you kind of set and forget with your driver modes or are you adjusting for Passing and high tire wear when they're in a passing situation, as opposed to being you know twenty seconds behind, where clearly you have to wait for a yellow
0: or something else to to help close that gap. I might be asking too much of my drivers. Okay.
2: <laughs> yeah, maybe I'm just maybe I'm just bad at this. I, yeah, i know I, 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 but I no, adjust. I'm bad at it too. Like
1: my yeah. team is terrible. I was like close to being fired so many times, and then you just miraculously get you know when your your owner says you've got you better get fourth or you're done and. Uh, yeah, I'm awful too. I'm just wondering if I'm overthinking it or if, if other people are underthinking it.
0: I think I'm overmanaging it is actually what I'm starting to suspect, which might actually mean this game does track more with um, real world race management than than initially give it credit. Because what the tu- tutorial teaches you, the tutorial is very hands-on. It's like, all right, tweak this setting, tweak this setting, like play with this race strategy. But I feel like what I took away from that was probably to play with it a little too much and get a little too aggressive with it. And really everything does need to be a lot more short burst like tactical deployment and then, for the most part, you're running a pretty conservative race, uh, because what I what I'm consistently getting in trouble with, though, well, but why I don't do that though, is because like when I put my drivers to conservative like settings to protect their time. Ty- so you have two, you basically have two variables uh, with your with your race strategy. Um, there is intensity, uh, which is sort of your your driver's approach to the track and passing scenarios. Uh, so that can go anywhere from uh I think it's i mean it's like low intensity uh which is very good for tire wear uh but your driver is not turning in the fastest lap times and probably won't push to uh you know pass anybody um they'll just try to sort of protect their position, but they're just gonna drive their race and then you can go all the way up to um uh i think it's like all out attack or something, which is your driver is gonna be pushing the car as hard as possible every lap. Uh, you know, braking late, uh, early on the gas, uh, you know, past people at all costs. And what that is going to do is probably shred your tires uh, very quickly. And everything is on that spectrum. The other setting is engine setting, uh, which is you can... Basically, have the engine running at like low power settings uh, so that conserves your uh, your fuel supply, or again, you can crank the engine all the way up, give max power, but that 's going to burn through gasoline a lot a lot faster um, and what the tutorial sort of teaches you is like, oh yeah, play with these settings, like you know change the dials uh, as as you like, and i 'm starting to think that Really, for the most part, I should be on, like, the lower settings for the vast majority of the race and sort of doing what you're saying, uh, Michael, which is use those other settings when the exact scenario presents itself, and then you can get on the radio and be like, you know, you know, it's hammer time. Yeah, but the reason I'm not doing that is, but, but when I put my guys to conservative strategies, they just plummet through the field like... Yeah, that, you know they're, they're wearing cement galoshes like Felipe like move your move your ass yeah like I like I took like I want you to take care of the tires I'm not running the engine super hot but that's not an excuse to like go from sixth to sixteenth in this in the space of like four laps like so what the games start teaching me is. Okay, but if you use those settings, that's kind of a an excuse for your driver to like, you know, you know, it, it, it turn into a Sunday driver, basically, right?
1: Yeah, and it's it's also it's so dynamic. There's a lot of it, hmm. it's a highly dynamic system in that all of those uh, those two settings also impact the wear on each component. So you've got car condition. Um, so you know, you if you have a point of failure in your car, be it the brakes or the transmission. You know, those get worked harder, the higher you are. Um, tire temperature is a big deal. And I get more feedback on tire temperature than anything else. Like, oh, my tires are too cold. I got to... So you have to attack more. And then they get too hot. So then they feel like they're slogging somehow. But I think in general, what I usually end up doing is sort of keeping it middle of the road. With, with, with how many failures I've had in the race with either parts completely breaking or drivers just having a crash, which is probably one of the more frustrating things, but ultimately realistic. Like, all of this can be for naught if your guy just ends up in the wall. And, you know, when I think of the millions of dollars that get poured into something that just one error and the guy ends up, you know, in the kitty litter bouncing off tires, it's it's unfortunate. But um, in general, my strategy has just been like, all right, can you complete the race without entirely, like, we're, we're low in the rankings, we, we've got low development, we just need to keep kind of grinding away these races so that we can improve so that on medium settings in the future you know we can start taking top three finishes but my sponsors want
0: results they do yeah we don't have time for that we need to win today we need we we, there is no tomorrow and and that's where maybe it hits a little too
1: close to home for me with again like real world stuff like oh we already sold these units so now you have to engineer them to the way we said we were going to do them (laughs) And we say, but that defies the laws of physics. I basically live in a Dilbert comic strip, um, and uh, that's
0: sometimes how it ends up feeling in Motorsport Manager. There's one thing that does bother me uh, a little bit, just in terms of like realism. Parts wear out during the race, as you said. So you'll see like things start moving into the red, which absolutely is is real. Like you'll have. Um... <laughs> So something that ha- that has happened in F1 I think that the two things happened in F1 that I think profoundly changed uh fans understanding of what is going on inside a car. Uh the first a couple years ago was Red Bull had a really ugly relationship with Rena- their engine supplier Renault. Uh and it was just this toxic feud uh that kept spilling out into the press as as Red Bull basically just mercilessly uh, just took it to Renault week after week to the point where, at one point, Renault was like, "Take our take our branding off your engines." And so Red Bull was running Tag Heuer engines, which is a watch company. Uh, but they were Renault made. It's just Renault was like, "Fine, like if you're going to be like this. Like stop, like you know, you calling them uh, Renault engines." Um, and then even more disastrously, um, the McLaren team. Uh, reunited with Honda uh, to produce a new engine for F1. And Honda's a legendary engine supplier in F1. They were dominant in the 90s uh, and, and late 80s. And with this new partnership, it's just been one disaster after another. And a series of failure cascades that like nobody has seen from a top team in F1 team in F1 in ages. And it really, I think, drove home like how. You know, it's rare prior to this that you understood what it looks like when a team badly gets it wrong. And in the last, like, three or four years, we've had two premier teams uh, kind of demonstrating week after week exactly all the different ways that a team can fall apart. And so what you hear a lot on the radio is, like, McLaren can barely finish a race because they see on their uh, telemetry and, and their onboard sensors that, like, oh, the engine's about to melt. Uh, and so you know they they you know so they pull in the car uh, you know and, and put it in the garage we're we're done for the day before you have a blowout. Um, what I don't tend to see very often is an ability to perform maintenance on those, on those components. Like, you can change out wings, you can change tires, obviously, you can do some light car repair. But what this game seems to have going on is that, like, components do wear out, they, 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 they get worn down, they start moving into the red, so you might need to bring a car in to do additional maintenance during the pit stop beyond a tire change. But it also has things like you doing maintenance on things like gearboxes, uh, during the race, which does yeah. feel really gamey, because I don't think you can actually do that. That I had the exact same thought. I'm like, are they saying they're going to just
1: repair, tra- like swap out the transmission? Like WRC drivers are like, or w- WRC uh, World Rally cars, um, so well designed for changing things out that for them to do a transmission swap in two hours is is like top tier, you know, legendary opera, you know, changes. So what they're doing to add 18 seconds to the pit stop, to the transmission, like I, I, I had this exact same thought. It kind of bugged me because like what what, what can you do in real, yeah. real life? I don't
0: think there is. All you can actually do is just like watch the danger signs mount yeah. and just like cross your fingers. But at that point, the die is cast. And that's the one thing that does feel like, oh, this isn't how F1 works at all. Like, wings wear out. Those get damaged all the time, absolutely. Uh, And you do need to make the call as to whether or not you're going to replace it. But this idea that you can bring in a car and, you know, for the price of an extra 20 seconds on a pit stop, address an issue with a gearbox is crazy. Create like in twenty seconds, you cannot even access the gearbox. I don't think like you can't you, like physically, nobody can actually interact with it in twenty seconds. So the, it's just the one thing that like rings a little hollow, uh, especially because you can you can basically like get a component uh out of the red all the way into like the yellow or green, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, I, by doing this. And it's like you're not going to do that with these components.
1: I'll give them a little credit though because if you really beat the shit out of your car. Um, it takes time after the race, like it takes several days to repair the car back to, to normal condition, and I think, I believe if you really beat on it, it takes longer, which means that's at the cost of development time, so the more you beat up your car, the more it takes development to pick back mm-hmm. up. I, I think that's a small price to pay overall, it's a drop in a bucket, but um, but yeah, I agree, that was probably this, that, that bugs me too, it just doesn't, it make a lot of sense, but I think Overall, I, I, you know, I think we're all pretty positive on the game, and I think it's a gorgeous game. It kind of spoils us for what strategy games could look like. Um, oh, 100%. I mean, yeah, and and it's, so, it's so dramatic. Like, I don't know about you guys, but I thought the start of every race felt like a Hitman mission because there's this dramatic... And then it zooms in on the map of Europe like I'm about to go kill the Prime Minister there. The Prime Minister of Europe. The Prime Minister of Europe. And I have... Uh, I have nice studio speakers that I have my computer hooked up to. And when, when those race noises come in and there's this deep rumbling bass, it's like, like that IMAX thing just showed up on the screen in a big theater. It's, it's, it it, it is very nice to look at. I wish there was some kind of on car camera. Like, I don't want to play the whole game there, but considering how nicely they've made the tracks with the yachts and the bays and the trees, it'd be nice just to just be able to zoom around and yeah. just watch for a little while. Um, but overall, I, the presentation I like the toy, I like
0: the toy car aesthetic. I, I, it has I do this really tilt like shift this thing going, going on, car. yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it is. And as you said earlier, it's a great entry to the management genre, I think, which is what I needed uh, for, for this show. Yeah. Because uh, this is a genre that's been a little impenetrable for me. Because like, the last one I, I seriously tried was, uh, was East Side. And that was like...
2: Not good, man.
0: I managed to drive the Blackhawks into the freaking ground. Yeah uh in the space of like two months like i had basically just like lit the team on fire now admittedly admittedly that game started at a point where the cap squeeze was really intense and uh basically i i made an unconventional decision uh let's say with east side i uh decided to see what we could get for kane hmm. and uh bold moves you know exactly. i got a lot yeah um, but what I did not get was another Patrick Kane. And, uh, it turns out they're not a very good team. Uh, if you lose, if, if you take that component out for some basically magic beans, uh, I think, I think maybe in a few years I was going to get some great prospects. Uh, but yeah, I destroyed my, the Blackhawks within, uh, within a hot minute. And part of that was just like, there's so much more management in a game like Eastside, and hockey is a much more complicated game that I don't fully understand in all the particulars. And I guess I'm curious: uh, is Franchise Hockey Manager the hockey game for me? What's it doing differently than Eastside? Uh, what's you know how does it com- You know how does it com- How does it help the newbie? Yeah, so let's set the
1: set the stage here just real quick for people maybe not familiar with the this the genre, but in, in the hockey world, there's basically two uh, two in-depth hockey manager games that are available broadly. Um, one is Eastside Hockey Manager, which is made by the uh, developers of football, the, the venerable and omnipresent football manager series of soccer simulations um, or football simulations. Um, and it, it has wonderful graphics or a slick user interface. Um, and it, uh, it, it doesn't get Yearly iterations, like the other games do, I think the last time I checked, I don't know if there's there's patches as seasons roll out or whatever, but uh, they also do not have the NHL um, license attached to them. Um, the other game is uh, Franchise Hockey Manager, which is now on its fourth version, and that's developed by out-of-the-park studios who make out-of-the-park baseball, so I think some, some comparisons are going to be relevant there. Uh, between the two games um, but uh, those for the second year now they have the official NHL license so all the logos all the team names all the players are in there um, and they're two they're 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 very similar games in what they do um, but those are the two here and I know Troy and I we for for the purpose of this show we dove into franchise hockey manager right and Troy, you're Canadian so you came out with a hockey stick um, did you <laughs> did you play hockey as a youth?
2: I can only skate forward. Okay. I cannot. I cannot even stop on skates. Yeah. So uh, no, I didn't. I do. Did, I've never played proper hockey.
1: Okay. But you. But I mean, you just based on Twitter and conversations I have, you are a I'm hockey officiating. Yeah.
2: I I love hockey. It's like my favorite sport.
1: Yeah. So what? Um, based on Rob's question, what, how do you feel? A franchise hockey manager portrays the the management of a hockey team. Um, I've got
2: issues. I mean, it's it's very. I can only compare it to the early days of -of out-of-the-park baseball, because I kind of think that's where franchise hockey is now. It's where out-of-the-park baseball was, you know, 10 years ago. Um, It is a sport. I mean, out-of-the-park baseball, these are Germans. This is not a country with a huge baseball history or a huge hockey history, though they sometimes do make the Olympics because, you know, you've got to have eight teams. Um. So there's a lot of – so there's some things right coming from the out-of-the-park baseball legacy and some things that show there's a kind of a – they haven't quite grasped what you need to know to manage a team. On the plus side, franchise hockey has this huge historical database. Like you can play you know, any team in the NHL way back you know, 1917, I think. It has uh, it, all the international leagues, I'm not sure how far their historical databases go back. So if you want to play, you know, back the last time the Leafs were good, I guess it doesn't go back to the 1700s, but you know, like 1960s or something, you, you, you can do that. And that's sometimes fun. When I started playing franchise hockey, I said, okay, let's, let's play the Emmett Oilers in the 80s. When I started getting into hockey, let's score 10 goals a game. And it was fun and it was great. But It doesn't. The problem. The problem. A hockey game versus a baseball game. Over. You can see if you have an eighty-game hockey season, hundred and sixty-two-game baseball season. It's hard to know what any of the terms actually mean, as far as they're using them. For example, you set up your lines. You have your your four hockey teams generally have four lines, uh, of forwards and three lines of defensemen. So you set up your lines, and you set up the strategies for each line and the role for each player. And as I'm watching the game, it's just a bunch of little dots moving on the screen. So I don't know what's changing. I don't know what's being affected. I can't draw any, compared to, to Motorsport Manager or even, you know, Football Manager, I can't draw any data from the game. I can't understand, I can't simulate a week of results... And figure out what's going wrong with my team, where things are going well. Out of the park baseball, I can tell after a week of games, okay, my bullpen kind of sucks. But I've got a guy in the minor leagues I can bring up. Hockey, a week of hockey games, do I need to change my lines? Is that line chemistry? Is that line strategy? Should I be more physical? There's really no way to pull the data out of what I'm seeing. And this is kind of a problem with... I don't know if the if the basketball game is like the NBA the NBA sims are like this because it's kind of got some of the same issues. There you're only dealing with you know what six players on the court, five at a time, five players. On the, see here's what I know, five players on the court at a time, and they're not always shifting. So generally, the five players you get a few substitutes through the game for rest. It's not twenty people playing constantly. You're trying to understand, and it's really hard to draw any information from the game, and it's kind of frustrating. Uh, because there's so much that I do like about the way the game is outlined, the way the interface works, the way it gives you information of what's going on in your league. It's not giving me enough information on how to be a good coach.
1: Yeah. And I think there's a, uh, as a general disclaimer, I really like this game a lot. I think it's a good yeah, game. of course. I think there's a missed opportunity there. And I think you you hit the nail right on the head. And I think with one small change being someone who's not a game developer or in charge of this, but I think if they were to somehow better uh, discretize and um, quantify what each individual line is doing, there would be much more information to work with. Um, One of the things that they kind of pitched in this latest version is line chemistry, right? The longer your players play together on a line, um, kind of the better they'll they'll synergize with each other but after a game or during management I mean there's not much I can do is except set the lines um, you can kind of say how many minutes you want each line to play but after a game I can't tell did my second line you know grossly exceed expectations is my first line struggling um, and I, I well, think
2: they give you this give you this vague player rating, how well they did during the game, from like zero to hundred. Yeah. I have no idea what that means. Yeah,
1: and it, then it could be minus. better, but I, I, I think. I think in general, if they could focus, if they could somehow take the idea of, all right, the line, each line is going to be the the kernel in in this team development. Like this is the the angle you're going to take as far as, you know, it's a way you could display progress. It's a way you could display. Let me see how a line has done over time. Like, give me a graph that says, here's the lines. Let's say, let's give me their plus-minus over the last 10 games uh, together as a line. Give me some sort of way to tell which one's doing good, which one's doing bad. I think that could go a long way with giving you the feedback to say, what changes do I need to make to get through the game?
2: And there's there's also no effort to include any of the new hockey analytics. I mean, hockey analytics, this is like the third or fourth version of the game, and there's no attempt to move beyond the radical stat of plus-minus. I mean, there's there's nothing on Corsi, nothing on PDO. Um, maybe because they aren't actually simulating the game. They're not actually playing the game. It's just, you know, stuff happening. You know? I, I, I so wonder they about that. So I, they, do they do they actually have player positions on the ice when things are happening? They have puck position and who has control, but do they have player position? Um because they do and you know in football manager they have that tracked so maybe they can't calculate course or your pdo uh what's pdo i forget what it means
1: because you want to talk about stats like let's talk about baseball saber metrics we'll do a podcast on that someday oh baseball,
2: um, but baseball because because out of the park has all that
1: i know yes if, I, I want to see my ops i want to be able to see all of the the combinations of things i want to um, and I, I I'm not as familiar with hockey I love hockey I've loved hockey all my life but like I said I don't know how to run a darn hockey team um, but coming from a baseball background, yeah I'd like to know as much as I can and I wonder you touched on this before I wonder how much of it is just you know how much can they do or how much have they developed in the, the short three four years this game has been around versus the decade plus head start that out of the park is and I don't want to be unfair to the game in that regard um, but maybe, either those, do they not just lend themselves to that type of statistical analysis in hockey? I mean, they've got a lot of games to work with.
2: Now, maybe they're using other terms for it, because, you know, I mean, I always call it Corsi, but I guess the NHL calls it shot attempts. And I call it PDO, but the NHL calls it SPSV percent, because it is the sum of a team's shooting percentage and it's save percentage. Uh, PDO is not actually an acronym for anything. It comes from the online handle of Brian King, the first to propose it. That's funny. Um, You know, and there's, I mean, uh, hockey analytics is still, you know, in this formative stage. It's not nearly as far along as Sabermetrics is, but it'd be nice to have, you know, this sort of, it it has, it gives you, for example, it, it gives you the, the, one of the tactical options. Do I shoot it in to cross the blue line? Do I shoot it in or do, I, do, I, do, I, do I, I, I carry it in? Hockey Alex has consistently shown you're better off carrying it in than the old dump and chase, which is the traditional way to play. Is which, that reflected? In, can, can, can I see the effect of that? Yeah, can I and- see that being measured? Can I see how many times somebody's dumping it in? Um, I'd like to actually, if that's my strategy, like in out of the park baseball, if I choose to be aggressive stealing, I can simulate a week and I can see the effects of aggressive stealing or short pitch counts or any of this.
1: Yeah. And it, it, it is now, is that a function of the structure of the game of baseball or versus hockey, or is it just the way oh, they're oh, choosing to model it? I mean,
2: well, it, it, it it's, it's clearly a bit of both because, you know, because yeah. baseball is, you know, iterated moments it is one moment then another moment then another moment whereas hockey is a bunch of stuff happening at the same time but you can still isolate you know how many times they carried it in how many times versus they shot it in yeah and if that changes based on who you're playing you can check okay we did really well carrying it in against boston but not against so-and-so what changed
1: yeah. I, I, uh, one of the things I really like about the game is um, when you set your kind of global tactics, yeah. um, there's a huge menu to choose from uh, for both your offensive and your defensive tactics, where you could set up what type of forechecking system are you using? Yeah. Are you doing a dump and chase? Um, are you doing a rotating triangle? And it gives you kind of a breakdown for the pros and cons of each. So in yeah. theory, I can go back to my lineup and say, OK, I have a team that is not very physical. I have good puck handlers. Um, they're, 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 uh, agile players, but they're not bruisers. And I, I have a severe lack of that. So what tactic can I read through that finds out that matches up with these? Um, again, it falls down that I can't see how well that decision translates into, you know, positive results, but I just like, I, you, you give me a list like that, that I can read through and I have a good time and I've learned more about hockey playing this, you know, than, than watching it. But now I'm thinking about different systems different forechecking systems and things like that it's been pretty educational um well, it's, been, it's, it's educational to, to read
2: about it on the menu yeah do i learn anything by actually playing the actual game do i learn how the 131 one stacks up versus you know the triangle versus the goon squad um it's great to know what the strengths and weaknesses of each of these tactical systems are and it's you know, really outstanding you know to take uh, you'd uh, take a KHL team or an AHL team and try to practice different things with them. Because, uh, you know, the talent level is generally a little bit lower, so you have a little bit more flexibility in trying things out, and you have young skills to develop. Uh, so it's fun to try different things, but it's if you change them from week to week, do you have enough data to know why you're changing? Do you only change after a year? Do you stick with the system? Is it the system's problem or is it the players' problem? This is a constant. This is a constant issue in all hockey, right? I mean, it's it's is it the system? Is it the players? You have it in football too, uh. And I I just kind of wish there was a little more. There there were better game reports, I guess. If they were better, I mean, it is a really good. It, it's a good. It's an in-depth simulation. It can be. It's a fun simulation. Um. It's good to go. Th- in this version, they have uh, each team has a specific challenge, which I think is great. Have you, have you seen those? And each team has a challenge to reproduce something they did historically or to exceed like the Oilers. Uh, instead of winning uh, four Stanley Cups in five years, win five in a row. Or I think the the Leafs have to win four Stanley Cups in the 50s. Or the Capitals have to make it to a Stanley Cup final, I think. There's just something like that. But each team has its own unique challenge, which is just outstanding because they have the whole historical database to draw from and they put you there. And it's really fun to, you know, work within the confines of history for specific goals. And you learn a lot about the teams and the history and how hockey changed through all of that. That's a really excellent mode.
1: And here's here's where I think that the the game really excels, and I, it seems like we've been down on it a little bit um, yeah. to start with, based purely on the statistics side. But I think on the um, well f- the feedback, more, side. More the the feedback side, more the feedback side, the feedback yeah. side, yeah, um, the the mathy bits. But where I think yeah. the game really excels, and the part that I'm really enjoying about it is sort of the human aspect of the stories you get out of your teams. Mm-hmm. And um, the pleasure of, of kind of setting up these scenarios in your mind and, and the narrative of the season and your players, I think, is a lot of fun. Um, when you start the game, there's a couple different options, but you, you have sort of like an RPG style menu where you set up what kind of coach are you? Are you a retired goalie? which means your approach to things and your interactions with the players gets handled a certain way? Or are you some type of defensive guru who is really good at managing defensive players, but not so good with the hot shot offensive players? And then after that, you can pick, um, I started with a lower level, uh, team. Um, actually I started in the AHL. So the feeder team for the, uh, for the NHL, uh, as the Hartford Wolf Pack, which I just kind of Chose randomly, but you know, I enjoy, I enjoy sort of the, the, uh, resulting drama of being a feeder team to the NHL. So when my star player gets called up or I get, you know, some, uh, that affects my team. And similarly, some guy gets sent down to my team and he's unhappy about it. So he's already pissed off, but I have to work him into the lineup because nobody's ever happy with how much ice time they're getting. Um, and then I'm fed by the Greenville Swamp Rabbits, which is a real team. Um, and they're in uh, the ECHL, whatever's below mm-hmm. the AHL. Um, and all of these minor leagues exist, which, as a side note, if you take the default settings, it literally simulates every minor league in the U.S., Finland, Norway, Russia, Europe, parts of Africa, probably. But even my computer strugg- like just progressing day after day takes a long time because every game in every league gets simulated. But yeah. it, it's the human moments of, of just like who's getting pushed up, who's getting pushed down. I currently have a battle between my backup goalie and my, 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 my starter goalie, which, I mean, one's just as good as the other, and I'm trying to split time with them, but one of them has to sort of emerge as the leader. Um, you know, you get these updates in your mail about how some guy's out because he was changing a tire on his car, and the car fell on his foot and crushed his foot. And there's like five paragraphs of how this guy is out for the season now, which I thought was pretty funny because it's just beyond this sort of, uh, you know, ex guy is injured. But um, I, I think there's a lot of personality there. I like having the players, the real player database. Um, you can you can do the generate a team of randos, but yeah. um, I think the same problem I've had with uh, out of the park, is the same problem I have with this in that scenario is that when they simulate a team of randos, everything is just blank. You start with a completely blank slate. Everything has uh, they all have player ratings, but you don't have a player history. It, I, I yeah. wish there was some way you could say, I want 10 seasons simulated. Just do whatever you got to do. I'll be back in a half hour. Um, so that you can at least see what the past performance was of these players. Um, because as we all know, past performance indicates future performance, but it's at least uh <laughs> it's it's, it's a sort guide. of a baseline to go off of. Yeah. Um but in general I think I, I think it's just a lot of fun. And maybe because I come at it from an out-of-the-park kind of sabermetrics point of view, I'm expecting too much maybe from the analysis side. But I just I think I actually have more fun playing uh franchise hockey manager even if i wish i could be a little bit more hands-on during the game because like in out of the park right like i'm making calls every at bat i wish i could be like all right uh this isn't going well Line two, you go but after that i don't really know how much there is to to call except line changes so i can't exactly say what the room for improvement is there
2: yeah, and Out of the Park's have really been, always been really good with the whole narrative stuff. They're getting better at it. They're really focusing on it, I think, more. On uh, Franchise Hockey, they have the mode where you can't simulate a week. You have to simulate every single day, even if nothing is happening, because they want you to feel like a proper manager or something, which I think is just insane. Uh, but there are insane people on this podcast, so who knows? Uh, um, I was gonna say it's not that insane.
1: I but think that's also the only way you can get like achievements and things like that is if you're yeah. playing in that that type of mode.
2: Yeah, but just disappointing. But that's how it is. And but they they've, they're really good with the. I, I like the idea that they introduced you know some chemistry stuff. Uh, even though you know the best chemistry is a four goal game, as far as I'm concerned. But th- there is a lot of drama, especially at the junior levels. I'm, i I started a a, a junior hockey. A uh, team recently, you know, one based out in my home, when based out in my home province, of New Brunswick, I played for, you know, started one of the Moncton junior teams, you know, very very low level junior hockey. So these are like you know 16, 17 year old kids um, who generally are bad at everything. Um, so it's you know kind of fun just to watch the feeders come in and see who progresses and try to build a reputation down there and work your way up the whole ladder. Uh, the European leagues are always fun. We've got a nice mix. Um, I like what like the, the the junior teams is you could have only I think two or three non-Canadians. Everyone's got to be Canadian except yeah. for your quota. So it's okay, I've got a, so I've got a really good Finn, a really good Czech, a really good American and a really good German. Only three of you are going to the wedding. Someone else is to stay behind. <laughs> and it's like who do I pick? Where are my positions? Um even if they're like the best players on my team somehow. Uh, who I've ended up with the rights for. So there's a lot of fun stuff happening. And I like the fact that it does model all of the lower levels. It's I uh, I unlike I have to play a little bit more with the historical settings. Uh, out of the park baseball has often had issues with how well they model historical baseball. Uh, well,
1: yeah, that's a huge thing. Is like, like how much can we reproduce a certain. Uh, season yeah. and, and these make this change and stuff like that. Yeah, and
2: like like does this feel like dead ball baseball? I don't know. I wasn't alive then. Are um, they just like change the percentages a bit? How does the balance work? Um, do the other teams play like it's dead ball, or do they still play with the modern mindset and they just adjust uh, the stats down? There's a lot of AI to properly simulate an historical era it was very different. You really have to change the AI how the AI thinks about playing in that era as well uh hockey similar it's you know there's the 1970s was a lot more physical the 1980s had really bad goaltending handing in defense and everyone scored uh, you know 70 goals um you have the the dead puck era of uh the 90s and early 2000s um <coughs> uh so i haven't played enough to really judge how good it is at really capturing those errors there i have run into some problems with the historical database where there are because it was before the ahl was a feeder league yeah there's nowhere to put extra players there doesn't quite understand i don't know what to do with the contracts um i can't put everybody on a reserve but what is a reserve list how does that fit into all of this, so I don't think it really quite understands how rosters were structured back in the '40s and '50s. However, having access to Gordy Howe and Ted Lindsay and all of that is outstanding, and yeah. it's a lot of fun. And I'd like to have you know, it's it'd be fun to you know to create a league of all the best teams from history and put those together and run a few seasons of that. That would be fun, and you could do those kinds of things uh, because Out of the Park is a very very flexible system. They've got the the UI has come a long way in just a few years. I like, I like it much better uh, than Eastside's UI, yeah, uh, which is I you know I started I played a little bit more of that this week, and it's kind of incomprehensible going back to that after uh, seeing what Out of the park has done.
1: Can I, can Um, I just point out one thing that made, it makes such a big, it's such a small thing, but the fact that, you know, it's a basically, it's basically like you're in a web browser, right? You're going from screen to screen to screen. The fact that the back button on my mouse now works to go back to the screen I was previously on, it seems really insignificant, but man, that is huge. And I am so glad they put that into, to franchise hockey manager. But I think, so, so one of the things, and I think we're probably getting close to our time here, but, Mm -hmm. and this may be my selling point to Rob, uh. Because, Rob, we're we're roughly the same age, and we came from the Chicagoland area. Yeah. But um, um, my first sports hero, like my first case of sports idol, like I love this person, uh, was Ed Belfour. And uh, I had the Ed Belfort goalie stick. I had an Ed Belfort jersey that I put on every day after school. And uh, I think one of the reasons I, I enjoy this game so much is it warms uh, the cold, dead cockles of my jaded heart to, to be able to play the mid-90s Blackhawks and to see Tony Amante, Chris Chelios, Ed Belfour, uh, Jeremy Roenick all on the screen at the same time and to be able to, to just kind of go back to those times when I love modern Blackhawks. And obviously, uh, we're in a golden age for Blackhawks fandom. But, like, 90s Blackhawks, like, that was my life uh, when I was in late grade school going into high school uh so that's probably that's probably what gives me the most joy of this is as a hockey fan i just like to be able to go back to those times and and watch those players do things a a frustrating tragic era i think for for it was ultimately frustrating i mean that's like blue ball hockey right there right you had such a great team that never did anything um except be awesome but not win any stanley cups also the fact that That was when I hated Patrick Waugh more than anyone else because he was the only goalie better than Ed Belfour, and he went on to win several Stanley Cups. Um, Yeah, Ed Belfour, man. God help Jeff Hackett if he ever started a game and then lost it when they could have started Ed Belfour.
2: (laughs) You got to give Belfour a rest, man.
1: It was intense back in
0: the day for me, man. I'm telling you. Yes. My uh, enduring memory of Amante is toward the end of a stint with the Blackhawks when the team was no longer good, but he was still there. Yeah. Uh, just the barely contained frustration and anger he started to play with, <laughs> yeah. uh, and some of the cheap shots that started to mount as he uh, just sort of approached the, you know, the hell with this. I'm out of here. Yeah, uh, stage of his career. Uh, but yeah, I definitely like if if this is a big improvement over the East Side interface, then I think I might be able to get on board because I think one of the there were two issues I had with Eastside. One was that I just didn't understand the sport well enough. But related to that, um, it did not always seem like the interface was designed to help me make decisions or, mm-hmm. like, read information. Yeah. And that sort of exacerbated the, you know, the comprehensional problems to begin with. Uh, so if this is sort of, like... Making that a little easier to parse and a little bit easier to sort of uh, exert your will over the team, that's a uh, that's, that's a pretty significant mark in its favor. One quick thing. You said it's not simulating the on-ice action?
2: Well, it, it shows t- you the on-ice action, but it kind of shows you the puck and the position. Um, but I'm not quite sure if it's actually simulating anything or just showing you stuff.
0: Yeah, because with
1: Eastside, you're seeing the players skate. Yeah, I did like that part about Eastside, is actually watching the game, the little dots zoom back and forth and the puck flying around. That'd be a good question. Someday I would love, I would love, love, love to talk to the the out-of-the-park developers um, from both the baseball side and the hockey side and just kind of... Dig in and see how the sausage is made a little bit. Probably, well, maybe to be a little disappointed, depending if they're just like, ah, no, it's fine. But, like, I want to know how far they go, man. I mean, if there's a runner on second, is he stealing signs? Does that, does that improve the
0: batter's right. chances? Are there, hidden, are there hidden stats? Are yeah. there hidden things happening in these systems? Like, that line chemistry thing. Like, does it always progress forward in a predictable manner? Or, like, secretly can one player be, like, actually having a negative chemistry impact that you won't detect you know,
1: yeah, and and how much how much human how much humanity is built into these players, right? I mean, th- this is a simulation of robots, and when we talk about baseball players, we expect them to act as robots and fulfill their statistical history. But if the guy had a bad day, or you know, just didn't feel well or something, I mean, ultimate just like the just like motorsports manager, some random bad incident happens and throws the whole thing off. Now that doesn't mean the simulation is shit. It just means, you know, bad things happen in real life. Um, how does that? Taken into account, so we're going to do
2: football manager in March, right?
1: I I, uh, I know nothing <laughs> about
0: yeah soccer,
1: but I'm interested. Given the the given just what the information there is to work with, I think that's a system that obviously is doing well.
2: It is um, it is it is such it's one of the the biggest game we've never done.
0: We can throw it over to our various UK and European friends. I mean, I'm assuming people. Fraser leaks
2: like, Soccer. Uh, I don't think look, no, no, look, no, much love Fraser. to Fraser,
0: but I don't think he's your boy for that. Okay. Uh, but maybe we can get Adam Smith or uh, or something.
2: We we, we, we we can put together some knowledgeable people. Yeah. I,
0: I I think I think to
1: sum it up, and Troy, let me know if you think to, how you think yeah. about this. I think I think franchise hockey manager is a good game. Um, I think it's got a lot of room to grow. Um, yeah. But I think if you love hockey, it's it's a given that I think there's something in this game that you're going to enjoy. But if you don't. If you don't like hockey, um, it's going to be tough to penetrate without some sort of background there. Well, uh, you don't
0: like any of these sports. Like, no, I mean, no, but that's, that's the thing. But, like, but hold, on, no, hold, on, no. hold on.
1: Motorsports manager. I think any person who can play a video game could pick it up and learn and appreciate the game because it's a it's a level of detail that is approachable. And the subject matter, even if you don't know Formula One. Like oh my tires ran out. Well, I guess next race I'll, I'll I'll get better at that. I think I think it kind of wins a prize for being so accessible that uh, it's worth looking at, even if you're not an an implicit F one fan.
2: Yeah, I think I think that's the way to do. if if Motorsport Manager might be an entry point for people who are curious about the sport, but don't know a lot about it or they They just want a good manager if you don't really if you're not really deep into hockey franchise hockey manager is not going to convince you it's the best sport on ice
0: east side will actively discourage you uh <laughs> if you're not really into hockey uh so consider that as well fair enough um all right it seems like a good place to leave off our discussion for this week uh We'll be back next week with more strategy discussion. Uh, Three Moves Ahead is produced, as always, by this guy. Woo-hoo. Right here. This guy. Uh, and it's hosted on the Adult Thumbs Network. You can learn more about the show and discuss this episode with our community at threemovesahead.net or follow us on Twitter at twitter.com 3MA. Finally, Three Moves Ahead is supported by listeners just like you on Patreon. You can learn more at patreon.com slash 3MA. Uh, Anyway, we'll be back next week with another episode of Three Moves Ahead. Until then, for Michael and Troy, this is Rob Zachney saying goodnight. Our sporting obsessions uh, with this show, motorsports and hockey. And nobody has anything. Was that a handoff? That was just more of a statement. Eh.
1: (laughs) It's early. It is. That's fine. You'll fix this in
0: post, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah.